chapter 3 and verse 13 through 17. Last week we saw John the Baptist on mission for God. He was preaching repentance and baptism. He was encouraging those that would listen to live their lives for God, to live their calling, to be fruitful for him, living in the grace and mercy lavished upon us by God. They were encouraged to live like that, not to live entitled. And entitlement, as we said, can be a very dangerous trap to fall in. John was fulfilling then his God-given purpose, living life on mission. If that's not the start of a sermon series, um, I don't know what is. Living life on mission. And we challenged ourselves then as the church last week to live in the same way. Now, as we carry on uh, with the account, before Jesus is to begin his ministry, he goes to John to be baptised. Christ hadn't sinned, or indeed he hadn't been living entitled. Also, the fruit was clearly on display, and to this point perhaps a few hadn't seen it, but there were numbers of people that were about to see the fruit that Jesus had on display. People would soon see. So the question really, when we see this section of scripture and the reality of Jesus being baptised, we have to ask the question, why? Why was Jesus baptised? And we'll see that actually even John the Baptist, John himself was confused. Why would you come to me for baptism? I should be baptised by you. And John himself is a little bit perplexed by what's going off big word in Scrabble. You're welcome. So let's go ahead and read it and then I'll pray and we'll dig in and see what the Lord's got to say. It says, uh, chapter 3, verse 13 of Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we just ask this morning as we look together into your word that you would just encourage us, Lord, that you bless us through it. Father, you'd open up your scriptures to us. Father, you'd speak through me. And Father, that we would know this morning that we've met together in the presence of a living and loving God. And we just ask, Lord God, that you would just speak to our hearts now, that our hearts would be fertile ground, ready to receive your word. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, Jesus arrives at the Jordan, where John, of course, has been baptising those who would listen and would turn from their old ways. And John was baptising all sorts of people throughout society. The Israelites that were coming to him were listening, were understanding that their lives needed to be organised and sorted correctly, that God needed to be put first, that they needed to be fruitful for him, not living entitled. So John is out there doing his God-given calling, 
being on mission. And John is then taken aback when Jesus comes to him that Jesus would need to be baptised. It's a confusing one for him as it's a confusing one for us this morning. And John naturally resists. He says in verse 14, he's sort of in complete bewilderment in essence. He says, uh, John tried to deter him, said, I need to be baptised by you and do you come to me? And Jesus doesn't disagree with John. You'll hear in his reply. He doesn't disagree with John's statement, but simply tells him that it has to happen this way. It has to happen this way. And you can see that in just the, the following verse on, from verse 14. It says, Jesus replied, he doesn't say no. He says, let it be so now, it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And John then agrees. And the question is, why? Why, oh why does Jesus need to be baptised? And this is why I said you'd need your notebooks, because the answer is fourfold. Okay? The answer is fourfold. Now, you've got to stick with me, because there are some crucial things for us to understand as the church, as Christians, why Jesus has done what he's done. That he's about to step, remember, into his ministry. This is what he is here for. The babe born in Bethlehem is here now to preach repentance, to preach the love of God, to show people that there is a way and that way is only through him. The law has been given to Israel, to the Old Testament. That law has been given not so that they could adhere to it and attain heaven, but to show them that they needed a saviour. And now then, Jesus is that saviour. He is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. And now he's about to show them as he goes into his ministry, all of that. But of course, before that happens, he has to do this thing. He has to be baptised. And just for simple <coughs> clarification, baptism, because we're going to see what Jesus identifies to or how he identifies to. That baptism simply in its root terminology is to identify with something, okay? And Christ here is going to identify with the people of Israel, as we'll see as he comes to be baptised. We then, as the New Testament church, we identify with Christ as we are baptised, okay? We identify with his death, burial and resurrection. My old life is done with. I'm a new creation in Christ. I go down into the water, my old life is washed away, I'm buried with Christ, it's finished, it's done, and I come back up out of the water, new, I am a new creation in Christ. So I, I identify with the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how the New Testament church works with baptism. And that's why, as a church, we totally immerse. We don't sprinkle, we go all the way under. They would baptise cloths. And if you wanted to dye a cloth appropriately, you would have to put the cloth all the way under. Because if you leave a little bit out, well, naturally, that's not going to have the colour, is it? So baptising means to go all the way under, to be totally immersed, but to identify with something. And Jesus here is identifying with the people of Israel. So the fourfold answer now begins, okay? So notebooks at the ready. Jesus is baptised 
as we see here, to identify clearly, as he says, to fulfil all righteousness. That's how Jesus explains himself to John. He says in verse 15, let it be so now, it's proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. And he explains that to John. Now, the first reason that Jesus is baptised is to identify with three Old Testament officers or anointing. Okay, so the three Old Testament officers are prophet, priest and king. Okay, they were the three. And Jesus, in order to make sure that he set off on the right foot to fulfil, as we heard this morning, as, as Kev shared with us in the breaking of bread, for those that were here, Jesus is fulfilling all that the Old Testament has had. And he's now being the complete and utter fulfilment of that to the cross and beyond. Okay, so as he identifies with the three officers and the three anointings, the first one is prophet and the anointing would be with water. The second one is priest and the anointing would be with oil. And the third one is king and the anointing for the king would be with blood. Okay, so we've got three officers, prophet, priest and king. And we've got three anointings that come with those three officers, which are water, oil and blood. Now, the first office that Jesus is identifying with is prophet. And the anointing, of course, is water. So here, Jesus is fulfilling all that's gone before him. You remember, some will ask, is he a prophet? Some will ask that. And Jesus is absolutely fulfilling all of that. So he is a prophet. He's anointed with water. And that's John that carries that out. So that's the first, and, and first reason of part one. But also, there's a second office fulfilled here. And those that like to go and look, the theologians, those that want to look and search a little bit more, the second part, in part, actually happens here as well. You see, because Jesus, as he goes down into the water, he comes back up out of the water and he's anointed by God via the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll be able to look and search and find that it's considered oil. Okay, We use oil as a sign of the anointing. And Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit too because as he comes up out of the water, says in verse 16, at the moment heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So the second office is priest and the anointing for the priest is oil. And the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus here. Not only is he prophet anointed with water, he's priest anointed with oil. Okay, And there's also a second part to that with the oil which if you read further on in scripture, you'll be able to find. And I'll let you look at that. And next week, you can come to me and let me know. And then there's a third part to it, which of course is king and with blood. So that's the third office. We've got prophet, we've got priest and king. Now, king isn't fulfilled here. Jesus himself fulfills that. He actually says in Matthew chapter 26, as they go to the Passover, he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And 2 Corinthians points to that as Paul tells people the order of how to worship and remember God, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, of course, then goes on to be the fulfilment of that as he is the, the post or the office of king and the anointing is with blood. Jesus shows that he is prophet, priest and king. And that all happens in these few moments. And of course, Jesus' blood was poured out, as we know, for forgiveness of sins. Now, 
Everybody still with me? Just. There's a second part. So number two, Jesus is to identify with the message of John. And we have to turn back a few pages, uh, to, or, or go forward a few pages, because you're not in John. I am, because I've got a bookmark. Uh, but in John chapter 1 um, and verse 31 through 34, Jesus, uh, John says this. Um, he says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So to identify with the message of John... Jesus, of course, had to come and be baptised. John knew that that was his calling. John was absolutely certain that he had to go out into the wilderness and he had to preach the gospel. He had to share this good news that the Messiah was coming. John was preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And so he knew then that that's what he had to do. And Jesus here is, is identifying with the message of John and also bringing credence to what John is doing. That he's not just a guy eating locusts and honey out in the wilderness dressed in camel's hair. No, he's doing what God has called him to do. To share the good news. To not be reliant on anybody but solely on God. That God has provided for him. God has made a way for him to have this message. To share that the Messiah is coming. And the Messiah indeed did arrive at the River Jordan. Just where God said he was going to be. Isn't that incredible? Just as God said it was going to be. Now, there's a third point. To identify with Israel. God needed Jesus to identify with Israel. Not just the first one, not just the second one, but of course the third one. Back in John, just a page back from where we were in John chapter 1 and verse 11. And it simply says this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus came to Israel in order to make sure that he could share this good news. But of course, Israel were to reject him. They were always going to, were they not? And we had a look at that uh, last week in Bible study. Again, if you're able, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening, a shameless plug once more for Bible study. It's fantastic. We get discussion and we have a look in the word and we dive a little bit deeper and we just explore and see what God's got to say to us. And here... We see in this part three of why Jesus needed to be baptised, that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So in order for Jesus to identify with Israel, those that wanted to hear, those that were ready to receive the Messiah, and also those that were not, that Jesus came to the River Jordan to identify with Israel. And he identifies with them as he does what he's doing here and he comes to John to be baptised. But of course, it's more than that. There's a fourth part to it because Jesus too is identifying with sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I challenge you so often, who is in the all? Me too. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, Jesus, although he knew no sin, he needed to identify with the sinner. He needed to show us the way, did he not? He needed to explain, he needed to show by the way that he lived and the way that he behaved, but he needed to identify with sinners. And you have to go all the way back to Isaiah. Anybody's fingers tied yet? We feel like we're getting there. Um, I haven't labelled this one, so this one could be more complicated to find. Oh, no, I did. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. 
He says this, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. How can he be numbered with the transgressors? Him who knew no sin. How could he be? But of course he is. Because here he's identifying with Israel and of course he's identifying with sinners because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he's identifying with the sinners. He was numbered with the transgressors. And then as well we can go all the way over to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. And that says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin, why? For us. So that in him we might become, listen to this, the righteousness of God. I'll read it again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus identifies with sinners and we go back to the very first question and John says, why am I baptising you? And Jesus says this, he says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Jesus makes it clear to John and John potentially would know the Old Testament. John would understand. He might not get it. He might not see why God would give him this task, but nevertheless, he carried it out. He did it faithfully and he adhered to the task at hand. So they're the four reasons why Jesus was baptised. And he paved the way for us as believers to follow his example, to believe and be baptised. And remember, it isn't a credential to get to glory to be baptised because we remember the thief on the cross. Today you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus said to him. But of course, what it does do is shows that we are adhering, we are living our lives for the Lord. We're aligning, we're identifying our life is with Christ. That as Christians, we do what we're called to do. And we go through the waters of baptism to say, my old life is dead, it's done with. The Greek word, remember, is necros, fully dead. My old self is dead and I am made anew as I come up out of the water with Christ. And now then, I am raised to life, uh, a verse, uh, a terminology that we have on the front of our baptism t-shirts, I'm raised to life. My old life is done, and I'm raised to life in Christ. So we are able then to follow Christ's example, and we are having an outward display as we're baptised of what's happened in our heart. And that's why the question why Jesus needs to be baptised is so confusing. But of course, Jesus needed to pave the way and he needed, needed to fulfil all righteousness. And of course, he does just that. Now, if only those four things were the biggest things in this verse. And they are big. But actually, we get a glimpse in these few verses of something that, again, we touched on on Wednesday. We get to see the Trinity in full display. We get to see God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And it's all on full display here in just these few verses. Who preached this on a Sunday morning? Yes, Lord. <laughs> and listen, it says in verse 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. So that's God the Son. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God, 
God the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven, God the Father, said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Can you imagine? I mean, I've given you the four points there of why Jesus was baptised. But can you imagine having in the same, just a verse on, Father, Son and Spirit? Now, let me explain the Trinity. (laughs) Thanks, Andy. Appreciate that. You see, the reality is, it's complex. And to do the doctrine of the Trinity, well, at Bible study, we may uh, at some point, God willing, get into that. But Jesus confirmed here in these moments that he is the son of God. He is adhering to the calling. He is following what the prophets have called were going to happen. He is in the Jordan. He is with John who was preparing the way. All of the Old Testament is beginning now to be fulfilled. We've seen Bethlehem. We've enjoyed all of what God said was going to happen and then it happened and now his ministry begins and the same happens again. All of what God said was going to happen is now coming to absolute fulfilment. Jesus was and is who he says he he is and God has given his approval. Jesus then is on mission. God says, this is my son whom I love. And remember, God is love. Agape, unconditional love. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And now Jesus is on mission. And what is he on mission for? You. He is on mission for you. In this moment, as he went through the waters of baptism, imagine this and just put this reality in your mind this morning that he had you in mind. He had you in mind, that you would accept him as your own personal saviour. That you would say, God, thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am sorry for the sin in my life and I want to align my life with yours. I want to identify with Christ. I want to say that I am his and I am going to go through the waters of baptism and say I'm with Jesus. Amen. He had you in mind. And this is how incredible it is. In 2023, we can be absolutely certain that God had you in mind. Jesus had you on his heart and he is on mission for us to redeem sinners. And it all started with the fulfilment of those three, uh, four key areas in order to complete and fulfill all righteousness. Listen, if we've noticed anything from Bethlehem to now... God is in the detail, isn't he? Oh, he is in the detail. Beyond our wildest imagination, God is doing the exceedingly more. He's doing the impossible. And he is completely and utterly in control and in the detail. And he does not miss a thing. And that, for me, gives me encouragement. That, for me, brings a peace that the word says passes understanding. Because I know that God is in the detail. And those little things that are going off in here, and you have the same, those little worries and angsts and upsets, those fears, the stuff that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Let's not say and and put God in a box that says he can't deal with it because it's too small, or he won't deal with it because it's not big enough, or he won't deal with it because it's too small. That God will deal with absolutely everything. He's in the detail. What does he ask us to do? He asks us to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Why would I lean on my understanding when I look at the detail of what's happening here, the intricacies of the word that is happening here? Why would I trust myself? Let's just trust God. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all our ways, in everything, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So this morning, let's praise God because he's in the detail. Let's praise God that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost of which we were then. And let's stay on mission for him. I'll pray and then we've got a closing media and Kev's going to come up and close in prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your goodness, your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you that you are a God of the detail. That, Father, that you have given us your very best in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just bring our praise and our adoration to you this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us enough to have sent your very best in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we understand that he needed to do all of these things before his ministry began in order to fulfil all righteousness, we thank you, Lord God, that he was attentive and he was on mission. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just bless us in this week ahead. That you would help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you. Father, that we would look to you for all our, our well-being and our sustenance. That, Father God, that you would be the provider for each of us as your name says. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just bless us and encourage us as we continue in our worship together. And, Father, as we enjoy a time together as a family, as your church. We ask all of these prayers in our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.